This is the SB Live Washington podcast, your weekly conversation about high school sports and the people who play them across the Evergreen State. I'm Andy Bueller, preps reporter with SB Live. We have a fun show today. We're going to talk about where we were and what we saw in week six of the high school football season. Uh, And then we're going to take a look at five storylines coming out of the weekend in what was uh, a very uh, exciting weekend filled with rivalries, uh, filled with some upsets. Uh, and some shakeups here uh, in, in SB Live's top 10 rankings uh, in our all-class top 25. Uh, here to talk about all of that is my partner in crime. Uh, he's a senior reporter with SB Live. He's the prodigal son of Tacoma. Uh, and depending on the week, he's either your pal and mine or he's nobody's pal. Todd, we're six weeks through the season. What, what's it going to be this week? Todd Mellis, everyone. Oh, I'm cheery, man. We're, we're getting into the fall season, man. A little chill in the air. Uh, I like I like the fall season. It's my favorite season of the year. Uh, you know, we're getting closer to some meaningful games and really nasty weather or really cold weather. And I know you're, I know you know what I'm talking about. There's nothing like going to a state court game and 30 degrees and hail. Or um, we're not that far off from that, Andy. So. Um, I told you last week, and I'm telling you again, you better iron up that, uh, that winter jacket, man, and uh, have, have your girlfriend buy you a new set of uh, gloves and uh, knitted hat, too, while you're at it. You know, I, I got a turtleneck hand-me-down from my grandpa that uh, is going to come into, you know, I think into use here. If not this week, then, then maybe going forward. But I'll tell you what, you know, I, I wasn't the one braving the cold and braving the elements of what actually was a really nice weekend in, uh, across the state. Um, that was a lot of our a lot of our correspondence at SB Live. Uh, you know, we had we were at the biggest games in the state this week. Uh, which, if you want to read uh, recaps of those, head to the site scorebooklive.com/slash/Washington or the SB Live Sports app. Uh, again, the SB Live Sports app is the best way to find our stuff. Uh, it has our live scoreboard, our, our videos, stories, highlights, news, and everything that you can tailor uh, to personalize your feed uh, to which teams you like, which leagues you like, which states you like. Uh, and so a lot of what the, what's there, though, from the weekend is uh, us, you know, our stories from the uh, Graham Kapowson game, the Gonzaga Prep CV, uh, that 4A GSHL game of the year, uh, Eastside Catholic O'Day, uh, you know, and then the MCC game of the year in Kamaikin and Kennewick. Um, and that's not to for, that's not to, to you know cast a foul of, of where Haley Palmer was uh, covering uh, Linden last weekend and where you were covering Stella Stella but I think I had the coziest seat in the house. Uh, is mentally, I was in Cooley City, Washington, and I was I was on the sidelines of, of a phenomenal eight man football game. Um, you know, maybe I would have sat in the press box for that one just to get the full game experience. Um, but no, I was uh, was sitting in my home office watching that game on a stream. Uh, shout out to the folks at Cooley City, Elmira Cooley Heartline, uh, number two, eight-man team taking on the eight-man powerhouse, Odessa. It was one versus two. It was the biggest game in the state uh, this week. Unfortunately, we couldn't find anyone to be there um, who could make it there. So I covered it from afar and, and got to see... ACH uh, do something that nobody's done to Odessa in almost four years, Todd. Um, and I guess that's where we can start with uh, jumping off into kind of what we, where we were and what we saw. 
I watched ACH beat Odessa 50-2 to snap a 37-game win streak on the two-time defending state champ Tigers. I saw a, the most impressive defensive front uh, headlined by Cooper Correa and Reese Isaac of the Warriors. And I, and I talked to, after the game, you know, a frustrated uh, head coach, Jeff Nelson, who said some of those kids in that locker room uh, and going back on the bus were admittedly embarrassed, losing by that much. They hadn't done it in so long, um, but there certainly wasn't any confusion as to why that happened. Uh, I think there was a lot of admission on the Odessa side as to just how good this ACH team is, a team that returned every starter from last year and a great class of, I think, 18 seniors. So, you know, sometimes it's about the momentum of the year at the eight-man level as it is in every level at the high school, in high school football, especially so in eight-man. This happens to be a really strong year for a program that's been at the top or near the top of the state landscape, uh, you know, for a long time now. So, uh, shouts to Brandon Walsh and the ACH Warriors, uh, who will undoubtedly vault to SB Live's number one eight-man team uh, when those publish Monday morning. Yeah, I talked to Brandon uh, leading up to that game, and the first thing he he talked about was physicality. He said, you know, these seniors had not beaten Odessa. Well, nobody had beaten Odessa, but these seniors in particular had not beaten Odessa, and he thought one of the biggest reasons was the physicality of Odessa. Now, I, you know, I have a little more history on you, Andy, so... You know, Jeff Nelson and the crosswash Tuckna teams and, 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 these, and these really good Odessa teams the past couple of years, one common denominator, and that's how physical they were. They just other eight-man teams were just blown off the ball. That's a very, very impressive win by ACH to not only um, control the line of scrimmage, but to, to kind of beat them down. Um, uh, a lot of Isaacs have come through that program. I know you saw it on the stream, a couple good ones on Friday night. Does this does this make ACH the automatic favorite to win the one B title? I'm not ready to go that far. I, you know, this might this might be a wake up call for those Tigers, but uh, certainly nice to see that there's a little suspense suspense going moving forward in the one B um, in the one B classification. Uh, obviously, stemming from the the game of the year during the regular season. Well, and just to put into perspective how much, uh, just as you were alluding to there, how much just state uh, dominance there was on the field that game at the 1B level, that's 10 state titles between those two coaches, seven uh, for Jeff Nelson, and, and winners of two straight uh, these last couple years uh, at Odessa in 18 and 19. And then for, for you know, for Brandon Walsh, like th- that's a team that I think they won it in 2017. Like it's only been a couple years. They've been right there, but it's just kind of the power swung Odessa's way the last couple years with, you know, certain, uh, you know, dads of uh, great, great players at Odessa from the 90s having kids and, and raising those kids to all be, you know, all of them around the same age. And yeah, I, I had one of the most fun stories I've ever had here at SB Live, Todd, was going out to Odessa in 2019 uh, mid-season. I, I went there with SB Live uh, video coordinator at the time, Gray Reed. Uh, shout out, Gray. Uh, but we went and uh, spent the day at, at Odessa. And you know, after class, after school got out, we sat down and, and filmed some video interviews with uh, a few sets of those players and their parents. Uh, the parents had won one state title in the 90s, and the kids were hoping at that point to win a second state title in, uh, you know, that year in 2019 to hold something over their dads. Uh, and of course, there's a ton of, a ton of program pride there at Odessa. The dads were in the chain gang. And one of those guys we sat down with uh, was Dayton Dyfee, whose uh, dad 
Um, I believe his name is Trent, but let me uh, just verify that. Um, Dayton was one of the kind of three-headed monsters of the Odessa rush attack. And, you know, they kind of got spelled a a great break in having their top running back, uh, Anthony Elder, back off of injury last week. So they were were as healthy as as they'd ever been uh, this season so far. That being said, Odessa doesn't really air the ball out a whole lot. And they were forced to uh, by by ACH. And that was the most frustrating part of talking to Coach Nelson was just we knew we weren't going to run the ball, be able to run the ball well against these guys. And we just had a feeling that, you know, even at full strength, they were going to make us change it up a little bit just because of what they were showing defensively. You know, they really, really stacked the box. And when you're stacking the box with guys like Reese Isaac, guys like Cooper Correa, um, it forces Odessa, it forced them to take shots downfield. And they had some success. They scored on a, a play action pass early. Um, you know, they were, they were able to kind of keep them off balance a little bit. But but Odessa wasn't able to, you know, just completely go all pass or, you know, win at the the facets of the game that it needed to, and, and you know, on the line of scrimmage, uh, you know, or keep ACH out of the end zone. Uh, I want to give a big shout out to Dane Isaac, uh, ACH quarterback who accounted for five touchdowns. Um, he was big all night. He can run the ball. Uh, he can scramble when there's a broken play and he can throw the ball downfield a little bit. And, and you saw him do a little bit of all that um, really impressive on his feet. But the player of the game was Reese Isaac. Uh, he had two um Forced turnovers in th- in the third quarter. ACH goes in and uh, uh, up by two touchdowns in, in, at the halftime. Odessa comes out in the third quarter and mounts a, a really impressive drive that gets them, you know, kind of all the way into the red zone. Uh, and if Odessa cuts the score to a touchdown or first possession of the third quarter, you know, we're talking about a different ball game there, but Reese Isaac, uh, all six, I think he's like six, three or six, four, two fifty. Uh, he, it was a QB option. He jumped the option, and as soon as the quarterback went to to uh, pitch the ball, he got a hand on it, tipped it up, and ran back until he was chased down uh, at his own 46. They scored like a play or two later, and Reese Isaac had a forced fumble on the very next possession. That's a two-touchdown swing, and Odessa was never able to recover. So I do wonder, Todd, uh, if we're going to see these two teams play again in the postseason. Both of them are certainly hoping that that's going to happen. I think there's uh, no love lost uh, between those two programs, but certainly a lot of respect. So uh, lots changing. If you feel that in the wind this weekend and that crisp fall wind, it's it may be the power shifting uh, in the eight-man landscape across the state. But uh, who knows? There's still a lot of football to be played. Uh, but you, Todd, you were at Stellicum Enumclaw that night. Uh, what did you see there uh, outside of a 14-7 Stellicum win to stay unblemished in the 2A SPSO? Yeah, I didn't see a whole lot of offense, Andy. And, you know, if, if you'd have told me this the past two or three years when J.J. Lemming was at quarterback, Chance McDonald was at quarterback for Stellicum, uh, Mecca Agbuka, um, you can go on and on, um, DJ Fryer, uh, I'd have been shocked. And I would have thought that Stellicum, if they'd only scored 14 points, in a game uh, with that group, they would have lost, but this is a different group. They're running the football. They've got uh, two really good running backs um, that I were with. Um, uh, JC on Kane and Napier. They're, they're kind of the same build, uh, you know, low, low, low center of gravity, uh, diminutive, uh, really quick in and out of cuts. 
if you give them, if you give them a, a scene, they can, they can get upfield in a hurry. I uh, was really impressed with how they kind of played off each other. Andy the game uh, where both were very effective, both scored a touchdown. Um, that was kind of their offense. I mean, you know, they have Caleb Kreider. Uh, he's kind of, he's been at River Ridge. Uh, was at Cascade Christian last year, got hurt, came, came over. He, he's entrenched as their starting quarterback. Um, you know, Cole Miller is a really good uh, target on the outside. Um, they were able to connect a few times, but again, they had 160 yards offense. That's not a lot of offense when you're used to putting up five and 600 yards. So this really kind of came down um, that defensive front. Um, you know, we know Sam Stowers is a, he's a great nose guard, uh, a good offensive tackle, one, probably their best two-way player. Um, but you know, Nicholas Barnes is right next to him. He's the other guy inside on that defensive line. But the guy I was really impressed with was Austin. He's wearing 71, but he's, they needed him at guard. He had, he had to wear number 71, but he's normally number 47. And Andy, this, this guy was all over the field. He was blitzing. He was making plays. Um, not the biggest guy in the world, but he's one of their three starters from that cha- on defense from that 2019 championship game. He he plays like he's a senior. Um, and then and then a guy right next to him, R.J. Brewster. Those guys really created havoc in the Enum Claw backfield. I think I had him for ten tackles for loss. If you looked at both offenses in terms of the balance, I actually think that Enum Claw has better balance on offense. Malcolm Harper at quarterback. Um, they've got a really explosive player in Dylan Watterson. He can play. On the outside, he can play in the backfield. And a guy that really runs hard, I was really impressed with him, Emin Otero, carried it 25 times so, had over 100 yards, um, has enough speed to make, to you know, you have to kind of play him honest. Um, but it was a game, it, it was just more of a position, uh, you know, field position game. And and for Enum Claw to, to kind of go for it on fourth and inches from their own 20 late in the first half, do, did not get it. Still come holds, gets the touchdown. That that to me that that was kind of the signature play of the game, and something that still come kind of rode to to a win. I know Ian Claw came back and tied it later in the game, um, and still can answer there at the end. But that was kind of the play that just sort of set the tone for everybody. And and when you look back at that game, and you look at back, and you look at what Stillcom has moving forward, can they be a factor in the postseason in two A? They're going to have to find a little more in their passing game, um, more than than Kreider and and Miller. Um, can they win a game in the playoffs? Absolutely, and they took a big step forward in securing a home game. But neither one of these teams, um, I would say, uh, are on the level of Tom Water, uh, a Linden offensively, um, even that really good Squalicum backfield. Um, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what they do over the next three or four weeks. Um, trying to get those offenses going. I think both of these teams are going to be in the playoffs. Uh, the question is how much, how much noise can they make um, uh, given the fact that it, it was such a low scoring kind of grind fest here on Friday night. Yeah. Different look for those, uh, those Sentinels, no doubt. And, and I'm glad you talked about Sam Stowers because uh, I really liked what, what was written in your story um, just about measuring his impact and, and, you know, how tough he is for offensive lines to, to, uh, kind of stay on top of. So, um, we're going to take a quick break, Todd, when we come back, uh, we're going to break down the five top storylines that are coming out of this week. Uh, you certainly a lot more to talk about. Um, so leave it here. take a moment to tell you about something really exciting for high school sports fans across the country. 
SB Live Sports has launched a free iPhone and Android app featuring the latest high school sports news here in Washington and across the country. With the SB Live Sports app, it's now even easier to follow your favorite team and tailor your experience to your interests. With real-time scores and news alerts, as well as video highlights, podcasts, photo galleries, rankings, game coverage, and much more, the app delivers on the content you want in one convenient place. The SB Life Sports app features exclusive content from on-the-ground reporters across the country, and it's the number one source for Washington high school sports fans with coverage from reporters Todd Millis, myself, Andy Bueller, as well as SB Live's preeminent basketball mind and recruiting expert Dan Dickow. The SB Live Sports app is available at no charge in the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. Download it today. We're going to break down some storylines uh, from week six of the high school football season. And we're going to start in a corner that I'm a little bit more familiar with, and that's Southwest Washington. Um, coming in and asserting some dominance in the 4A Greater St. Helens League in week six, Camus thrashes Mountain View, who had just cracked into our top 10 at the 3A level last week. Skyview goes up and uh, beats a very defensively sound Kelso team and just runs the ball all over him. And then Union beats Battleground easily, but we got a couple of really strong rushing performances out of that, uh, out of those uh, few games. Skyview's uh, Jaden Knapp goes for 215 yards, and then Union's uh, Jaden Jones ran for 257 yards. Uh, I, I want to say that the gap between Union and, Mount, and Battleground is significant. Um, the, the gap between Battleground, Kelso, and Mountain View is also very significant, but shout, I just wanted to get Jaden Jones's name in there because he's had two uh, 200-plus uh, performances this this uh, far in the season. They call him Juice Box over there, and uh, he was another guy who was expected uh, to have a really nice season uh, after showing some nice flashes in the spring, and he's kind of following through and has emerged as a guy who can carry a heavy load for Union. But I want to take a look at just what – Camus and Skyview communicated with those two big wins over the top two teams uh, in the 3A GSHL, both of whom I saw play last week. Uh, Mountain View went up and beat Kelso in a very good game. We talked about it on last week's podcast. And then Camus, who was 1-4, and four, and of course that their t- level of talent does not reflect that record because they had gone and played you know, four of the best teams in the state of Oregon as they're in their non-league schedule. They still have Tumwater on the schedule. Uh, Camus is not what they were in 2019, but certainly not what what uh, they are uh, reflected as a one and four group. And they get a, a really, really momentous win over Mountain View, going and beating uh, the Thunder 38 to seven. Uh, Taylor Yanni at quarterback, first year starter as a junior, is really kind of starting to find his his uh, stride. Uh, Mountain View turns the ball over twice on its first two uh, offensive possessions, um, but Camus, you know, didn't really leave any doubt of, of who the better team was that day, and neither did Skyview over Kelso. Skyview's got a tremendous O line, a tremendous D line in front seven, and I think what we saw here, Todd, was you know one GSL or GSHL uh, class flexing on the other and just saying, listen, there's levels to this. It matters how big you are in the trenches and, you know, the Camuses and the sky views of the world uh, just happen to have very good offensive lines and defensive lines as well. Uh, and what does that tell us going forward? I think it just kind of further asserts, uh, you know, why these teams are in our top 10 every week uh, and why 
uh, Skyview and Union are, you know, not all, not the only two teams in that league, Todd. You know, Camus is, is sitting right there this year and, and, you know, certainly has a lot to prove now playing from the outside looking in. Yeah, I wanna, I'm going to put you on the spot because I haven't seen any of these three 4A GSHL contenders. I've, I've seen the numbers. I've seen what Camus has done. We obviously know their schedule. Uh, and then they turn around and, and win their first two games against Washington teams. But that was a pretty impressive win. We know they have the defense, but I want to put you on the spot, Andy. I want to ask you, um, three weeks from now, which of these three quarterbacks do you trust most? Most Because right now, if it was up to me, if I had an opinion on this, and again, I have not seen um, any of the three quarterbacks play, but just based on the numbers, I like what I've seen from Terriani. Um, and I think he's, he's shown a lot of growth right now. Uh, that's who I would put my money on of the, of the three court starting quarterbacks for those three teams. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think it's a really good question. And I think it, this is a year in Southwest Washington uh, in general, not just in the three, a four AGSHO um, where you're kind of looking around and going, okay, there, this might not be a quarterback class, uh, you know, like a couple years ago when you had like a Yaro DeVolco going to Sac State from Skyview and like a Lincoln Victor uh, or even like a CJ Jordan, who's now a backup at, at Idaho. Um, and of course, Jake Blair at Camus. Like this is, we're, we're kind of getting through a really, really strong class of, of quarterbacks here and, uh, you know, in this area. And, you know, not to say that there's not capable arms across the league now, but it, it was kind of a prove it uh, start to the season for a few of them. And Taylor, I think he's got to be the most battle tested at this point of the season. I haven't seen him play in person, but doing, you know, making his first start of his high school career at Central Catholic and then having to go play Clackamas, you know, and playing West Lynn, playing Jesuit, these Oregon powers, um, you know, I, I think he's had to probably overcome the most um, so far and has been thrown into the fire in a way that the others haven't. Um, but I think, you know, when, when I talk to coaches about these guys, the, the term that gets thrown, thrown around uh, for a, you know, a Taylor Yanni or even like a Mitch Radigan, sophomore quarterback at uh, union who's coming in and uh, he started the season as like the third string quarterback and a guy that they wanted to factor in. And oh, guess what? Dom Coletto, the presumed starter, that the week one starter goes down with an injury. And now Radigan is is kind of, you know, forced into a spot where he's, he has to step in and, and step up and get the ball to, to those athletes. But I think to answer your question, I think Radigan probably is the guy that I look to and go, okay, you know, if he can game manage, I think Union is in the best is 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 the most dangerous team if he does his specific job correctly. Because what he needs to do in that offense is get the ball to his weapons, and he's got plenty of them. He's got Notre Dame commit Tobias Merriweather out wide, who may be the fastest player in the state. He's got Juice Box in the backfield, who who leaks out and is is pretty good, uh, pretty good receiver too. Uh, you know, you got Marcus Cantu, and you just. He, he needs to manage the game, uh, you know, in ways that I, I think are comparable to Taylor Yanni, but I think he's kind of, you know, playing with, with different pieces around him. Uh, so, and, and I want to credit Nico Ariola too at Skyview who stepped in and done a really nice job and Skyview is defined by, I think it's run game is, is, is the best part of its offense, but you know, there are guys out wide who can catch the ball for Skyview and they've been good enough offensively to be able to keep teams off balance, you know, with Teddy Beaver and, 
uh, you know, some of their weapons out wide. And, and Areola is the reason for that uh, with just his ability to get the ball out. And we saw, we saw that against Sunnyside when Skyview escaped them late in, the, in a shootout. So um, I think, I think Taylor Yanni has had to overcome the most this season. But when I, when I look at guys who, who I'm really kind of counting on or, or think they can come through in big moments, I look to uh, a Mitch Radigan, a sophomore at Union, uh, as a guy who's going to get opportunities to do that starting this week with their biggest game of the season against Skyview. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, don't, don't, don't misinterpret. Best quarterback, best team. I'm not, I'm not picking Camus to suddenly go and, and win this league. I like, you mentioned Union and what they have around their sophomore quarterback and it's dynamic and they've done nothing, nothing since week one um, to convince me they're not the team to beat. I mean, going to Chiawana, they're just, they're beating teams in front of them convincingly. I, I think this is a team that, you know, and we, again, we don't know what, what uh, Roe is thinking at this point. He hasn't maybe showed his cards. He doesn't have to right now. You know, um, he's such Rory is such a good coach that, he knows when to he knows when to kind of shift it into second gear against better teams, and and we might see some things from that passing game that we haven't seen so far. I mean, he certainly has the surrounding pieces led by Tobias Merriweather um, to 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 really damage some some defenses. And they've got now Skyview this week and Camus coming down the stretch, so it's going to be interesting to see exactly what cards uh, Roe plays from here on out. As it stands now, as we record this Sunday night, um, as you're listening to this, we probably already put out our updated uh, week after week six rankings. But you know, Union Skyview, that's a that's a top ten game. At least it it certainly should be this week. And so, um, Skyview got the best of Union in the spring. Uh, it was it was a signature win for the Storm. There was a three way tie atop that league. And you know, I'll, I'll be really interested to see how this one plays out because I know. Going back to the preseason, talking to those, that staff at Union, they've got this. They've had this one circled above some of the ones that you mentioned, and even maybe above Camus, uh, just because of how that game shook out. So, Southwest Washington for AGSHL, uh, look out, everyone! Another area and two conferences uh, leagues that we saw play really big games this week took place in District Eight. Gonzaga Prep thumps Central Valley in the 4A GSHL game of the year, 35-7. And then Kamiakin beats Kennewick by two touchdowns, 34-20. Uh, that's a 4A, 3A game. Uh, I want to do I do want to give credit to Richland, which escaped Mead uh, 14-12. But Todd, what the district date picture is starting to formulate. Um, what is this win, uh, these two wins from Gonzaga Prep and Kamiakin? tell you about these two teams in these two leagues and how they stack up this year. They're scary. <laughs> that's what it, that's what it told me. I, I wanted to see what Kamaya can, the, how the Kamaya can Kennewick game before I, f- like before I formulated a, a final opinion and, and mentioned in the story, Andy, you, you know, that you mentioned that Jeff Mort, um, was that game was tied and Kamaya can was losing some bodies and found a way you know, Gabe Tahir, uh, the quarterback, Mercado, um, a new center. I mean, just, you know, Scott Biglin is just finding guys to put in there. Peyton Graham, what a, what a great game by Peyton Graham. I mean, they've got such versatile pieces um, in their attack. It, it just seems like if somebody falls off or somebody gets hurt, you just plug somebody else in there. That's what, kind of what they did in the second half. And defensively, what they did against a really good um, 
running back and a really good team was, was just as impressive. Uh, this team is, you know, we know what Gonzaga prep is. We know that they're loaded for bear. We know that system is tough. We know that coach is proven, but you know what? That Kamiakin team is pretty darn proven too. They won a state championship at the three A level. Scott Biglin has won a state championship as a player. He knows how to win it as a coach. I think uh, he, he likes the pieces he has on his chessboard. I'm telling you, we, I know that, you know, we have, we've talked a lot about Graham Kapowzin and this is their team and their generational team and Lake Stevens up North, but those two teams right now, if I had to pick a final four, Andy, it would be Lake Stevens, GK, and those two teams from across the mountains. I think that highly of them. I think that that highly of their coaches, uh, the 4A race is shaping up to be maybe a little bit better than I think I gave it credit for early on. Again, GK has done nothing, nothing to, 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 you know, disassociate itself from the, the number one spot in our rankings. But I think there's, they're going to have some company. They're going to have to, they're going to, there's, there's a couple games waiting for them on the line. They're going to prove that they have to earn it to go win a state championship. Yeah, another name I want to get in there that Jeff Morrow mentioned in that story is uh, Kamaikin senior Aaron Tano, who was the co-defensive lineman of the year in the MCC with uh, Aiden Napick at Kennewick. Uh, I've seen both of them in person. They are both extremely large individuals, and uh, you know they both had great seasons last in, in the spring and, and were the top two linemen coming back. And uh, for for Tano to come out and have three sacks in that game, I think is a statement, especially going up against a, a Napic, a, a legitimate, uh, you know, Kennewick is big. They're very, very big up front. It's it's one of the reasons that two years ago they were able to to give O'Day uh, one of its best games in, in a loss in the three A state semis, uh, and it's one of the reasons that I don't look at this loss. Uh, I don't think of Kamaya or Kennewick. I don't think of Kennewick any less after this loss. Uh, it, it only goes to prove what I've already seen with Kamiakin. Uh, but I want to get into that, and, and this is a good transition into our next point, Todd, of you saying that GK is kind of the most, uh, you know, they were thought to have the most separation at the top of their classification coming into the year just with how good they were. Um, but I want to ask you this. We can do a full midseason report card podcast if we want to, and, and we might. But at this point of the season, um, who has the most separation at number one? Who is the strongest number one? Because we've already seen, you know, coming off Odessa going down, uh, you know, in the eight-man level, we've seen O'Day take take uh, two losses now to Lake Stevens and then to Eastside Catholic. Um, and then we've seen Tumwater lose, although that was to an Oregon, you know, 6A power in Central Catholic, and they took him to overtime. So I want to ask you this, six weeks into the season, Todd, who has the most separation uh, as the number one ranked team in the state in your eyes? I, I'm going to say a team that I didn't say in the preseason, Andy, and I, uh, and that's a credit to Bill Beatty and, and getting this team kind of rolling with Peyton Hoyt uh, and Overbay, uh, Alex Overbay getting healthy and, and, and obviously the two D1 tight ends, but I think it's Tumwater. And, and a little of that is the indictment on the way two A's played out uh, especially some of our, some of the teams high in our preseason rankings. Um, I would, I would give Tom water the slight edge over GK. Um, I still think GK is the decisive favorite in four a, but I think Tom water is a little more of a decisive favorite in two a, uh, maybe given a little bit of how the fields kind of, kind of dropped back a little bit. 
Yeah, I agree. And the only reason I don't throw Royal in there is just because of how good that Eatonville team is right behind it. I still think Royal is the clear one. Um, and, and gosh, top finish at three going on the road and beating Connell. Uh, you know, I, I still think Royal gets out of that league and, and until they're beaten, uh, I don't want to hear it, but, uh, I would have to agree with you, Todd. Uh, I think we saw some really good foray teams give us decisive results this past weekend that can kind of inform the way that, that will inform the way these seeding committees seed, uh, playoff fields when, when it comes time to do that. So, um, but the state's top team, GK, just kept doing what it does best. Uh, Roll to a win over Bellarmine Prep. Uh, just a couple hours after its star quarterback, uh, Josh Wood, goes and commits to Eastern Washington. I think jo- Josh Wood is is the is the best 2022 quarterback in the state. Uh, he is uh, might be the best quarterback in the state, uh, depending on who you ask. Although you know, there's a guy that plays for a school down the road at Lincoln uh, who might have something to say about that, but. State's cop top quarterback commits to Eastern Washington, goes on and has a near flawless performance against Bellarmine Prep in a uh, shutdown win. Uh, Todd, what say you about Josh Wood, uh, the quarterback that you talked to uh, just after he committed? Yeah, I mean, that's a steal. That's about the only way to put it. It's a steal for Eastern Washington to get a quarterback of this caliber. I think a little bit is that he... You know, he got a, a little bit of a late start in his varsity career as a starter, but you look at what he's done in his 11 starts, it's it's been nothing short of amazing. It's head-scratching. I have watched him three or four times now in games, and you just can't rattle the guy. Uh, I mean, does he have the strongest arm in the state? No. Uh, is he Does he have? Is he the most refined passer in the state? No, but he probably grades on a scale from 1 to 10, 8 in pretty much – everything in in terms of reading an offense. Um, they have him under center. They have him in shotgun. Um, he just has a great feel for things on when to take off, when to run. Does he have a great line in front of him? Absolutely. He has the confidence that he's, you know, he can sit back and survey the field and do some things, but, um, you know, Eastern obviously is a great platform for him. His brother played there. Um, it's a school that he connected with immediately. He, they offered him in the summer. He's been in constant contact with them. Went over to the Montana game. Just really feels at home with Eastern if this is the level he decides he wants to play at. And there's also the basketball factor. He has not closed the door on playing basketball to D1 level, but did say to me that football is the priority. If if this is the level he chooses that he wants to play at, I think he's going to stay at Eastern. Now, if Nebraska or Ohio State or Iowa or somebody, you know, or somebody in the Pac-12 came at him with an offer and said, we want you to be our quarterback of the future. Would, would Josh take a look at it? I, th- you know, with him not saying this, I think he would, and he should, you know, that's, he's earned that he's, he's gone from an unknown to a lower level D one player. And I think he's a better quarterback. I think, I think the big sky is if he stayed in the big sky, that's a win for Eastern Washington. And so uh, but he seems very content and happy with his decision. He didn't want it to prolong, but it will be interesting to see now that he's committed. Uh, if he continues to put the numbers off and wins these meaningful games and continues to progress, if somebody in a bigger conference or a power five conference comes his way and says, Hey, and dangles the carrot, it, it'll be interesting to see what he does. It will too be interesting, Todd, if, if what you say and what we've heard about him and his interest in basketball is, is true and is legitimate. You know, I, 
does David Riley at Eastern Washington come in, head, new head, first year head coach? Does he come in and sweeten that deal and say, "Hey, we'll we'll offer you a spot on the basketball team"? That's it's a really tough transition for a Division One athlete to make football and basketball. Those are two sports that a lot of a lot of athletes have tried, uh, and, and it's just very very difficult uh, with the overlap. Um, but you know, hey, who knows? Who knows? This is a guy that you know. I think I think it surprised people seeing him go uh, to an FCS school just based on what his production has been in the spring and now here in the fall, um, you know, and, and how unshaken he's been in that production. But, you know, again, maybe he's a symptom of uh, pandemic recruiting uh, to this point. I think, I think that's also, you know, a fair thing to consider that a lot of, a lot of schools didn't have him on their radar and kept him off for a long time until the spring of his junior year when Washington just happened to have, you know, a six or so game season. That's enough GK talk for this week. We're going to go on and talk a little bit about some shakeups in the Metro League. Uh, Eastside beats O'Day in a very close game. Uh, and then Rainier Beach throttles Garfield 41-0. to uh, A little shakeup in the Metro League, Todd. Uh, do we know who the, the number one team in the Metro League is going to be in two weeks? Uh, I, I'm not sure we do. I have no clue. I mean, if you, had to, if you asked me to rank the Metro league right now. I don't know if I could do it with any confidence, Andy. And, and, and some of that has to do with Eastside Catholic going and beating O'Day at O'Day. Um, and then more importantly, what, what Rainier beach did to that Garfield defense. We talked extensively about that Garfield defense being young and opportunistic. Um, and, and Rainier beach with, with a lot of really talented guys. And, you know, we've, we've talked about them before, Jalen Green is a monster on the outside at receiver. Chance Gaudis. I mean, we, we can go on and on and on with names. Oh, and by the way, they have the best tackle uh, prospect, uh, you know, not only in the Northwest, but one of in the country. Uh, I, I, if I'm Corey Sampson and, and my guys are staying healthy and we're getting into crunch time here as, as it shifts into some pretty important games and, and they play Eastside Catholic this week, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm smiling. I'm like, let's, let's, let's get it on. And I don't. I couldn't tell you with any certainty who's going to win that Eastside Catholic Rainier Beach game. I think it's a pick'em game at this point with the way those two teams have have are playing. Again, East, you know, Rainier Beach has only lost is to four A East Lake, and oh by the way, East Lake's pretty good. They might be the Kinko four A champions when it's all said and done. Yeah, and they and they played that game on like less than a day's notice too. It was a, one of those weird COVID schedule games. Yeah, um, but- no. I, and, 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 you know, it's funny because, you, you know, and we've mentioned this on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, you know, Kyle Snell's like, we don't see man-to-man defense like that. You know, that's, we just don't see guys that just check you up um, and say, come and get me. You know, uh, they don't play a lot of zone. They're, they, they're going to put athlete, their best athlete against your best athlete and see who wins. And yeah, what an impressive uh, win for, for, for Rainier Beach to, to really come into this Metro uh, race with authority um, it's going to be a great game this weekend. And it's, 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 it's funny to me that O'Day and we talk about this is it's just, you know, the two games that they've, they've lost, they've, they've been sloppy with the football. Um, I, I can't even imagine the last time they had that many turnovers in a game. Eight turnovers, Todd, eight turnovers. I mean, you're not going to, they're not going to beat, you know, they're not going to beat anybody. You, they you might even shoot. beat our, they might not beat our immediate team. You have eight turnovers. You 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 have more snowmans on the golf course in a decade than than uh, Monty Kohler has eight turnovers in his offense. You think that's funny? I, yeah, I, I mean, I've had a few snowmans, and I'm sure you have too. 
But Monty Kohler has not had – I bet you he could count them on one hand that the, the, the amount of times they've even approached that number in terms of turnovers. That I mean, Monty's teams take care of the football. They play efficient. If you're gonna if you're gonna win, you're gonna beat them. But right now, these these two losses are showing me something that I just didn't expect from their team. Um, Jason Brown's still fantastic. Their offensive line still fantastic. Monty's still a great coach. They need to take care of the football um, to 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 win these important games. And right now, they're they're having trouble doing that. Well, I mean, it's it's what has allowed O'Day to to use that that methodical and just just boa constrictor like offensive line uh and offensive approach of like you know just slow the game down play o'day football um you know run the ball down the other team's throat you can't do that when you keep coughing the ball up to the other team and that's that's how they escaped uh, vancouver when they beat union early in the season and you know there were there were two scoop and score touchdowns uh, of fumbles uh, recoveries from Eastside Catholic. Tyson Weaver, sophomore uh, corner, had three interceptions. Uh, Hunter Misa was fantastic. I mean that guy, uh, you know, gosh, couldn't play. You know, he's a he's a four star. He has not committed yet. He's a senior. He's a three year starter. He started on that that great 2019 team in the middle of their defense, uh, and, and here is finally healthy. And, and he looks like it. I mean, you know, he's really impressive. And that linebacker core uh, with David Linnae and Dallas Daly, um, you know, those are some bad dudes back there, Todd. And, and I think the bigger question is, which team is going to be able to score the football in, in Eastside Rainier Beach? Because Rainier Beach is, is, checks all those boxes on defense as well. Uh, boy, that's secondary, uh, led by a corner Caleb Presley, who, who had a takeaway um, this past weekend. But Rainier Beach, uh, outside of that East Lake, your East Side game, sorry, Rainier Beach, outside of that East Lake game, uh, had only allowed one defensive touchdown. And I think that was, I think Ballard scored on them with their special teams. So, you know, this is a team that has not allowed many points defensively either and did not allow any to Garfield, a team that we know has weapons. Uh, so, I think we're going to learn a lot about this Metro League in the next couple weeks. I don't think we've heard the last from Seattle Prep. I don't think we've heard the last from O'Day. Um, and, you know, I don't think we've heard the last from Garfield either. Like, they, they're like a couple of mistakes. They needed to clean some things up after that Eastside game. And, you know, they're still young, but but who knows? Uh, you know, anything could happen in these last few weeks. And I wouldn't want to see any of these teams in a Week 10 game. So we're going to wrap up with – go ahead. Do you think after Scott Rice sends us his Christmas card that Corey Sampson's going to be right behind him? Oh, we have we have I'm sending us a Christmas card. Come on, guys. I think what you're referring to, Todd, is uh, we had Rainier Beach ranked, you know, fairly low, and our they were not in our three A top ten preseason. They were I, they were fairly low in our top fifty countdown uh, compared to the talent they have on their roster. And Corey Sampson gave me a very hard time about that. Uh, and, you know, as a coach, you want to be you want your coach to be as confident in his group as Corey Sampson is. Uh, and I think the frustrating part for that team, too, is just how much had been working against them in the spring. You know, their turnout was in the 20s uh, for rostered players. Uh, you know, COVID was very hard on that program. They had to drop down to the second tier Metro division just to be competitive. Uh, and, and, you know, with the injuries they had throughout that short season, um, and, and guy, multi-sport athletes just not turning out in a COVID year too. And, and I think the hesitation in the preseason was like, how much of this is going to carry over into this, into this fall season. And they got shut down for a couple weeks because of COVID when they are on the field, 
holy cow, look out for this beach team. I mean, you know, I legitimately could make a run uh, to compete for a Metro League title this year. So shout out to Rainier Beach. Uh, we'll learn a lot about this team in the next couple weeks. We're going to wrap this thing up by talking about uh, maybe the messiest conference picture in the state, the 2A Northwest Conference. Two playoff berths out of this league, Todd, and eight very, very, very good teams. Uh, what do you make of... Uh, the mess that is the Northwest Conference uh, that's, you know, might be getting a little clearer, that picture up top after Linden's result this past week. Yeah, I think we, I, I agree with you, Andy. I, I think we learned, I think this is starting to sort itself out. I was really interested to see if Lakewood could go um, get back into this race going up to Linden this weekend, and they and they couldn't. And uh, I think, you know, Linden is in, is in the driver's seat. They're going to, they're probably going to get one of those playoff berths. Um, shout out, great job to Blake Van Dalen and, and, uh, just, he, he knew the first three or four weeks were going to be, you know, it was, it was good. It was about to put the puzzle back together and, and they've done it. They've done it great. I I don't know how much that last second win against Hawkinson kind of propelled them or expediated the process or whatever, but they're playing some good football right now. And, um, I think they're clearly the, the top team in this district after that especially when with the Cedro game and the Archbishop game, the Cedro Archbishop game being canceled because of COVID. I don't, I couldn't tell you who I think number two is, is it going to be Cedro? Is it going to be Burlington Edison uh, with a really good quarterback? Is it going to be, is it going to be Squalicum if they can get that backfield healthy, probably the best backfield, maybe arguably in two a um, right now, I, I, you flip a coin among those three teams. I think right now Lakewood and Archbishop, are in kind of the third tier, but right now, you know, that second tier, if that last playoff spot comes from one of those three teams, I mean, I don't, I couldn't, I don't know, man. I mean, all three of those teams can, can make a, a real strong case. If I had to make a guess with what Cedro has coming back in that senior class, I think I, I like Dave Ward. I don't bet against Dave Ward. I think Cedro or Squalicum will probably get that second spot, but we did see a little, a bit of, sorting out of the tiers and in, in what's been a big mess all season long. And, and listen, we look at all of those teams, Andy, look at all six of those teams. They could win a state playoff game in two way. I think you, you, you know it. I know it. The rest of the state knows it. It's, it's so unfortunate that they only get two births out of that district because um, any of those teams, even if they got hot, can make, can make a, can make a little push in the uh, state playoffs. Uh, until obviously they ran into Tumwater. I want to direct everyone to uh, Haley Palmer, uh, SB Live correspondent and a new uh, reporter uh, up up in uh, the Bellingham area with that new paper up there. She's going to be bringing a lot of great sports coverage uh, to that local audience up there. Um, and she's been doing a lot of great work for us here in the last few weeks. And she had a great interview with Lyndon's Kaleo Jandok. Definitely a league race that... A lot of eyes are going to be on here uh, heading into the, the second half of the season. So that wraps up our podcast, what we learned in week six. Uh, if you head to the site, scorebooklive.com slash Washington, uh, you can find the top stars and best performances of the week. Uh, that is in one story. Uh, I put together that story each week, and uh, part of the thing that makes that so great is that we accept submissions from anyone, whether you're a coach whether you're a player, whether you're a fan, a parent, 
Uh, my email and my Twitter handle is on that story right at the top. So please reach out to me if there's a performance you feel like we might have missed. We want to make sure and highlight everybody, regardless of where you are in the state, what classification uh, and where you go to school. So lots to look forward to this week. Uh, rankings out Monday. Should be already out if you're listening to this. But for SB Live Washington and SB Live Sports, I've been Andy Bueller. He's Todd Millis. We'll be back for our predictions podcast on Wednesday. This podcast is brought to you by SB Live Sports, your national hub for high school sports news and information. Subscribe for free wherever you get podcasts. If you do it on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and a review to help us best serve you, the listener. You can find our website at scorebooklive.com slash Washington. There you'll see news, features, highlights, podcasts, and everything in the world of high school sports across this state. As always, a big shout out to our sponsor, Washington Federal. And thanks to Dan Dickow and Todd Millis for bringing the heat every week. This song you're hearing is by the band Woodrow. It's called So Far Away. It's written by James Schroeder, Carl Johnson, and my dad, Matt Bueller. I'm Andy Bueller. We'll be back next week.